Welcome to Meet, Act, and Part, a Masonic podcast hosted by Midnight Freemasons, Greg Knott, Darren Larners, Todd Friesen, and Bill Hostler. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. This is episode number 40. I like nice, even numbers. And so let me introduce myself. I am one of your co-hosts, Greg Knott. I'm Bill Hawksley. And hi, I'm Darren Laners. Thank you, everybody, again, for joining us. We're just going to have just, just a casual conversation tonight about a number of things that have been going on. Uh, we're going to talk about a trip Bill took to Alaska. Going to touch on maybe some current events in masonry. Going to talk about the uh, Illinois Grand Lodge annual communication and uh, some good experiences Darren had there. And then we're just going to see where this goes. So again, thanks for tuning in. We always appreciate it. We've got a number of guests. We're getting lined up for future episodes. So, hope you stay with us and uh, see where the future goes. Okay, so Darren and I, this weekend, uh, as we record this, this past weekend, went to the annual communication of the Most Worshipful Grand Lodge of Illinois. In our case, it's held in Springfield, Illinois, at the uh, Capitol Convention Center. And so, we don't have a uh, historic old Grand Lodge building like some jurisdictions do, but they do a really good job of turning the Capitol Convention Center into a meeting room for us. There's about maybe a thousand brethren there, more or less, and uh, from all over the state of Illinois. And so like a lot of, of these, uh, you spend the first couple hours of everybody getting introduced and uh, <laughs> roll on through some proposed legislation that we had. We then uh, vote on those, and then we do a number of other uh, committee reports. We elect the Grand Lodge officers, and then we adjourn. So, hey, it's almost just like a normal great big lodge meeting. But I guess what was interesting this year, to touch on the legislation piece, there was one was proposed from some brethren in the northern part of the state about if a member of the Grand Lodge if a member of, of any lodge in Illinois should should stay a member if they're also a member of an organization that is considered a domestic terrorist organization. And we won't get into all the history of it, but it was kind of an interesting piece of legislation that uh, was not passed. And, Darren, you were there. I don't know if you could reflect on any of the, you know, lightly the discussion without getting in the weeds, but it seemed like most people weren't in favor of it. When I read it, I was worried about how you would administer such a, a, a policy. Um, what were you hearing about it? So the interesting thing regarding the legislature was that the Grand Lodge Committee, and I forget what uh, the official name for it, but it's basically the committee that reviews any proposals for amendments to the bylaws and constitution had in their official ruling after meeting as a committee stated that they had some concerns regarding it, but that they felt that the message was 
was appropriate and that they actually recommended passing the legislation. I think what actually doomed the legislation uh, potentially after that was that the Grand Master uh, at this point, because it was Friday, our acting Grand Master, Stephen Oakley, spoke against the amendment. And then I think at that point that basically probably killed the amendment. As you stated, Greg, I think that part of the issue was that uh, the amendment was open-ended to the point where it basically stated that if you were on a government list, uh, official government list of an organization that was uh, branded a domestic terrorist organization, that could be grounds for suspension. I know almost all the brothers who initiated the, uh, the legislation, and I understand the intent. I think, and my advice to them was just to name names if they attempt to bring this back next year. I, I don't, I think that part of the issue was that they left it open ended, uh, relying on the government to list these organizations instead of just giving them names. You know, I think had they just came in with the legislation saying that groups such as the Ku Klux Klan, Antifa, the Proud Boys, the Three Percenters, just to name a few off the top of my head, uh, have ideologies that are incompatible with Freemasonry. And therefore, if you are found to be a member of one of these groups, you should be suspended from the craft. I think that would have been more powerful message than just kind of saying, well, if you are on a, on a list of a a government list somewhere stating that uh, you're a member of a domestic terrorist organization. That, that wasn't going to go well with the, with the brethren. I think, obviously, uh, the main concern brought up, and I think fairly so, was that this list potentially could fluctuate depending upon uh, what majority party is in the legislature or in the executive branch, so on and so forth. So to try to, I think, depoliticize it, would be uh, my advice to those brethren. But uh, I think, you know, obviously, I think uh, we would all probably sit here and agree that we don't want men that are bigots or racists or white supremacists or anarchists as part of the uh, Freemasonry. And I think it's fair to, to say, and I don't think there's any disagreement in that. I think that the the fear is that allowing uh Allowing an entity outside of, of ours, especially one that's a government entity, to name these groups is where we, we would we fall into some problems. Yeah. And so I think maybe they'll readdress it administratively and bring it back. Uh, I think, you know, importantly, probably the message was sent about their concerns about those type of, uh, of organizations. Bill? Well, mind you, I did not read this legislation or how it was worded or anything about it but and i agree no one we don't want racists or bigots or any of any color or race creed whatever anti-semitic anyone like that in our craft the thing i'm thinking more from a, a standpoint of you know application of this law how would it be enforced how would it be unless you have prima facie evidence of someone like in a photograph in in their reg at this in this organization's regalia at a meeting, or like you find a uh, one of their secret roles of um, membership roles or anything, how do you 
actually prove that this, you're going to have to have a Masonic trial. You're going to have to have actual physical evidence to do this. Maybe, you know, you could, might be able to get several people as witnesses to, to prove this. But it also could be, you know, sadly, it could also be used as a weapon against a brother that you don't like. You, you can say, well, I know, you know, particularly this brother is a member of XYZ organization. You know, he, he's, I am not. Well, of course you're going to say you're not. Well, I say you are. And then, well, you know, it says, well, we have to, you know, err on the side of caution. So I'm sorry, brother, but you're, you know, expelled. You know, unless, how do you, you it would be really tough to enforce. It would be really tough. You'd have countless, I'm sure, Masonic trials. You The red tape would go crazy. And then not only besides that, but there's also, like Darren said, you know, it's like this today, I would be, you know, if they make, um, you know, if they make the Boy Scouts a, you know, a, a domestic terrorist group next week, you know, Greg, you're out. Darren, you're out. Me, since I didn't get past Cub Scouts, I guess I'm okay. But, I mean, it just you see, it just can be, you know, it's, who's whimsy? And so I just, it's it's a great idea, but it just seems really problem, problematic. And kind of it's encroaching on on a terrorist list, but sadly, are they are these groups actually illegal to, to join? If you know, I mean, it just kind of brings up a slippery slope. I mean, it's just it, we're putting in our finger into a dike that really shouldn't be messed with, in my opinion. Yeah. So, <clears throat> it, I think it'll take care of itself. And so, for before we go too far down the road on this one, I think we'll just kind of leave it at that because. There's a lot of feelings about it, and I just think it was worth mentioning as part of the uh, the communication that we did. So other things that went on, there was a proposal to talk about virtual meetings that I think uh, got kicked to next year. And part of that was, you know, could you have a stated meeting and have a hybrid, uh, a Zoom at the same time? And so it sounds like there's still some details to work out on that, because here in the new world, people are going to expect to be able to attend things on Zoom as they have done for the last 18, 19 months. And to me, it's it looks like an opportunity to keep people engaged, especially if they live far away, out of state, or, or things like that, and wouldn't normally get to attend. Definitely does not replace the, you know, the in-person meetings from, from me, because that's, that's a big part of it, not just sitting on Zoom all the time. But that one was uh, also delayed. And so that was the extent of the legislation this year, just really – two or three things and uh it went quickly we uh had a, a vote for the grand lodge officers for next year and most of them moved up the entry point is the junior grand warden on the elected side there was a contested race on that and it was really kind of interesting to see that process take place and the the votes and it was yeah, reasonably close and uh for that and you know the beauty of it was it was all done so professionally so civilly i think it just was a shining light example of what freemasonry was two candidates present themselves uh to run or in this case were suggested to run and uh the brethren voted and one of the brethren won and the other brother i think was very gracious about it so i think it was just a, a real act of uh, true uh, masonic civility Darren, any observation on that one? Yeah, actually, Greg, there were two amendments regarding virtual meetings, and one of them passed. So the one that passed was uh, an amendment to our Code 215. I'll just, I brought it up, so I'll read it really quick. Basically, Code 215 currently, prior to the vote, stated, stated meetings are those held at the time prescribed by the bylaws and 
at such meetings, all general business, such as balloting for candidates for the degrees or for membership, election officers, and the discussion of questions relative to the interests of fraternity. Stated meetings may be transacted in a lodge of entered apprentices, fellow crafts, or master masons at the discretion of the worshipful master. Only master masons shall be allowed to vote. And the change was, A, a hybrid or virtual stated meeting may be held by the lodge for the transaction of business only with the following requirement. One, the lodge virtual meeting monitor is responsible for the control of members attending in the virtual platform and their name must appear in secretary's minutes. Two, a member must meet one of the following conditions to be allowed to participate in the virtual platform. He must live outside a minimum of 50 miles from the lodge hall or have medical reason for not attending in person. Three, a quorum must be present in the lodge to open or close a meeting in correct form on the one, two, three, on the first, second, or third degree with the opening completed before any attendance is allowed in the virtual platform and closed after the virtual platform is terminated. No degree work shall be allowed in any virtual meeting. Voting in virtual meetings, only Master Masons shall vote. Any voting shall be only for business issues such as where money is being allocated and other issues affecting lodge operations, and the ballot box is not needed. There shall be no voting on membership issues such as petition, plural memberships, degrees, etc. A separate secure method requiring a separate login shall be used for voting. Six, in all virtual meetings, a member participating must use audio and video so the moderator can ensure the identity of the member. And seven, care shall be taken to ensure no non-Mason can see or hear the virtual meeting. Basically, justification was given to allow members that cannot attend a stated meeting of their lodge because they live out state a long distance from the lodge hall or have health reasons limiting them from attending lodge to participate in the lodge business and feel closer to the other members. So I think that's... Uh, uh, honestly a huge deal because it allows some of the the membership that are not in state to attend meetings and still have their voice heard so that's good so good progress so well that was the uh, annual communication in the morning and in the afternoon really the big event that happened was darren was the feature presenter at the illinois lodge of research and he gave a presentation which I didn't see because I had to come back to, to be at work on campus. But Darren was awarded a uh, a special award from the Illinois Lodge of Research. And Darren, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you what it was and, and uh, talk a little bit about that experience. So the award is the uh, the Tor- Torak Award for Masonic Education. It's an award that is basically just given, according to the website, to people that have progressed Masonic education or Masonic education through the Illinois Lodge of Research. And it's, as I said, it's not given annually. It's kind of just given as as needed, I guess. I was completely caught off guard by receiving the award. Uh, the, wa- the last award recipient was uh, Robert Johnson in 2017. And uh, it was kind of special to have Robert present the award to me at this particular meeting. Like I said, I'm still kind of speechless over it. I don't think I'm deserving, but I'll be gracious and accept the award. And it'll uh, actually uh, make me try harder because, uh, like I said, I'm I'm still, uh, I still don't Given uh, some of the names on that list, like Ed Rodden, who anybody who is from Illinois knows Ed's impact on Masonic education in the state of Illinois to be 
uh, on that list next to next to him and some other men. It's uh, it's really kind of it's obviously a great great honor, and I don't want to lessen it. But but like I said, I uh, I think I've I guess I just uh, I just I just do what I do, and I don't think that I'm necessarily deserving of it. But like I said, it's a great honor, and uh, I think uh, all the members of the LOR for. Um, granting it to me a lot of great names on that list darren but uh you're deserving to be on there and you know part of uh an award like that is not only what you have done but in some ways it raises the bar and the expectations for what uh you will do and so don't let darren sell himself short i know he's written over 80 articles or probably more for the midnight freemasons a number of other publications the california lodge of research and others that uh that i know of he keeps this podcast going and so he you know he's one of the most active and prolific people in masonic education right now so uh absolutely well deserved and like if that wasn't enough he got called to go back on saturday because he received another recognition and that was for his efforts as one of the he's the eastern area education officer which is a big responsibility and he was recognized for his efforts, not only in that job and that role, but also, again, more broadly on, on some of the things he's done to uh, further the cause of education. And you can further the cause of education. You don't just have to be an author. You don't just have to be a podcaster. A lot of it is behind the scenes work or encouraging others to get involved and also be part of it to encourage the uh, the local lodges. And, and so he's done all of that. So I would say, Darren, excellent job. We're proud of you. Glad you were able to be there both days to receive those recognitions. And like with any of those uh, awards, it really is probably just seeding the 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 future for you to do uh, even more. And so, again, great job on both of those. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. So, Bill, enough of the Grand Lodge Communication of Illinois. You didn't just go to Springfield. You went to Alaska this summer. I've always wanted to go to Alaska. I thought I was going to go to Alaska, but I backed out because I, did, I was worried I wasn't going to get a rental car. But you got to tell me about that trip up there. And I know you included a little bit of masonry visits in there, but tell us about Alaska. Well, first, I'd like to also congratulate Darren on everything he does. And one of the things that wasn't mentioned is, is that he edits my posts and makes me sound somewhat intelligent and lucid. And so, I mean, right there, that's a major undertaking in itself. So I thank you, Darren, and keep up the good work in that. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, we we did go to Alaska for 10 days right at the end of August into September, and we came back on Labor Day weekend. And, yeah, it was pretty much a uh, a barnstorming trip across Alaska. We landed in Anchorage, and we went to Seward and spent a few days, and I, I wrote a piece of Midnight Freemasons about the temple there, which kind of, I don't know whether I should go into that again or not, but they hold their meetings inside the church. And it's a beautiful little church, a little chapel, just on a little hill, right out on the outskirts of town, right near a mountain range in a, in a pine forest. And it's just so picturesque. I didn't even realize it was the lodge building. And I took a photo of it because it was just about a block from where we were staying and after a little bit of um, looking around and, you know, researching to try to find the lodge, I discovered that was it. And I was like, well, that is really cool. And I think what it, I gather is since 
the Grand Lodge of Alaska is only about 40 years old. It broke away from the Grand Lodge of Washington in the early 80s. They really don't have a lot of their own buildings. It was something I didn't realize because we went to, I wanted to go visit the lodge in North Pole, Alaska, right outside of Fairbanks. And we, we put it in the GPS and we got there. And they, there's nothing on it that says Masonic Hall. It says uh, the Lions Club. So I was going to take a photograph. It's like, well, I guess I don't, I'm not a member of the Lions Club, so I think I'll just skip that. But uh, we did go and take a look at the build, uh, Grand Lodge building in, in Anchorage. And it's a beautiful building. It's a nice little couple-story building. And, got a, um, and I had my photograph taken. And among everything, that was just it's just a very beautiful place. It, I I would really suggest anybody that has an opportunity to go and, you know, take a trip through there and, you know, see the beauties of the 49th state. It's it's really, it's a vision to see. Now I just have one state left to see, and then I've collected all 50 stamps. So is Hawaii your remaining state? Yep, that's the last one I haven't been to. Oh, I got three left, Alaska, Hawaii, and actually Oregon. I don't know how I haven't hit Oregon, but maybe we should have a midnight... Freemason meet act and part excursion to Hawaii sometime. Now there, that's a good idea. I like that. Yeah. So, Bill, let me ask you though this about Alaska. I mean, it's just it. it I haven't been there. I've been, of course, to the Great West, but it would just seem to me that the scale and size up there would just be vast and just you know beautiful beyond anything we would recognize here in the you know the Corn Belt of Illinois, but. I mean, can you just talk a little bit about the vastness and the and the wilderness part and the natural area? Well, it's just it's amazing because you know it's, there's mountains everywhere, which you know this guy from flat old Indiana isn't used to, and you know you actually you see glaciers. I, mean, I you know I've always heard about glaciers, but I never I thought I'd see one. And you know you drive for you know you drive for a couple hundred miles, really not see anything, no cell service and. You're really getting back to nature. You, you're driving down these roads, and, you know, it's not like down here in the lower 48 where, you know, there's interstates. There are some, but they're not like here. You're driving on maybe a four-lane road if you're lucky, but everything's just so picturesque. I don't know how many photographs I took of just the scenic views are just so beautiful, and I finally had to stop because it's just like, I've got so many photographs of just foliage and you know you might be going by and you'll see a moose standing out in the field and which is really neat in itself or um i think we've seen a couple other animals which escapes me at the moment but there's just so many things to see there we went and seen denali and we we're part of what they call the 30 percent club because most of the time denali is um co- the top of denali is covered in um clouds and you can't see it well, we were actually lucky enough to be there that day and see the top of it, and right down the way from it was a um, a lake. We got to watch seaplanes take off and land on the water, which is something I'd always seen on television, but I never been able to see in real real life. And it's just it's it's kind of a they say it's like America's last frontier, and you can truly believe it because there's just so much of it that's untouched by humans, and it's really something to see. You know, if you wanted to go out and really rough it, and there's a lot of people that do. That's, you know, if you're an individualist just wanting to be at one with nature, it's a great place to be because there's just so much of it. I'm not one of those. I prefer to do my camping in a hotel. But, I mean, there's a lot of folks, you know, we ended up staying in some you know houses in, oh, what's the name of that? 
I can't think of the name of Airbnbs. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. There you go, Airbnbs. And one of them was a. This fellow was he rents his house out. He's a um, a tour guide, or he's a, a a wilderness guide. And so he's out in the wilderness, taking people out. He running the rapids or taking them hunting. Or he rents his house out. So we got we were out in the literally middle of nowhere, just sitting. And you could get up in the morning and you just look outside and just the still air, you know, as the sun is coming up and you can see a little bit of fog and you might see some animals running around and it's just, it's really neat. Or you can go down toward the coast and it's all fishing. Some people we were with, they opted to get a fishing boat and they came back and some of the massive fish, I mean like 50, 60 pound fish that they, that they caught. And these people here, obviously they're in it for the, the tourism they will take the fish, they will clean it, and they will package it, and they will FedEx it to you to your house. And so you can actually have you know a whole freezer full of halibut you caught yourself in Alaska, and you can enjoy it at home. And it's just there's just so many opportunities, and it's just so beautiful. To, and then you know there's like waterfalls. I actually got to see a, a waterfall up close. I've seen them in Oregon, you know, right off the interstate. But here I was literally like ten feet from one. And it just just kept gushing. It's like it just doesn't end, and just it's just it really makes you really, you know, think of what God has put down here for us, and what we you know take for granted every day, and what we you know we're busy with our own lives, but it kind of puts you in touch with your Creator while you're just seeing everything that He has brought to you, and it's just I loved it. I really did. Bill, did you get to see the Northern Lights while you were up there? I was I fully intended on it. Now the people I was with did because they got you know you had to get up at like three thirty in the morning to get up and go to this one area to see them, and I didn't want to get up at three thirty in the morning. I'm like, well, I've seen pictures of them, so that's good enough. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> they said they were beautiful. <laughs> Maybe next time, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like a great trip. You know, Darren and I kind of. We went over our last trips in the last episode, so between all three of us, we've been to figure both coasts, and uh, of course, Bill's case, almost to the top of the world, so it's really, I really amazing. There. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it really is not very far, is it? You mean when you no, get up there? Really. <laughs> so, and of course, that's where we got Alaska, was the Secretary Seward. of State Seward, Yeah, you know, was known as Seward's Folly, and Actually, I think the the joke was on the Russians for letting it go. So I think they needed the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so that was kind of Bill's summer vacation, and uh, of course, now we're rolling into fall. We've, of course, been over the annual communication uh, things we got coming up with uh, at least myself. The Valley of Danville's getting ready for our fall reunion. Uh, it's going to be a good one. Uh, we're going to. Have hopefully a good sized class. We're doing a number of the degrees. I have a bit part in the 23rd degree, which is the, the four chaplains degree, which is one of my favorite. I just, I love the story of what that uh, represents. But at the Valley of Danville this fall, we're going to have Mo Gomez go and he's going to come and talk about, uh, his experience on 9-11. And so it's going to be good to have him in. He works for the Port Authority of New Jersey. And so he's going to be our featured uh, speaker. So that ought to be a really good program. So if you're able to come to the Valley of Danville, Illinois, in November, we would love to have you. 
I think it's the fifth and sixth, isn't it, Greg? Yeah, there, there it is, yeah. Okay, if you're able to join us November 5th and 6th in Danville, you can come and experience some great degrees and listen to uh, Mo talk about his experiences. I have not heard this presentation, so I'm really looking forward to it. And so it should uh, be a good event. And so I'm sure you've got things going on in your local areas. So here's the key. you got to get out and participate. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about this. Uh, Darren and I were kind of talking some of it before we came on the air about the need to get involved in the community. And Darren, I, if you would, we were talking about our uh, the new incoming grandmaster to Illinois and his observations. If you wouldn't mind talking about that, because it really fits right in with uh, uh, that theme. Sure. Uh, our new grandmaster, Michael Jackson, uh, no relation to the singer. Gave some brief remarks uh, Saturday morning after he had been installed the night previous at uh, the Grand Lodge Banquet where they do their installation. And uh, the main point that he made was uh, regarding that a local lodge, that first Freemasonry is local, that the Grand Lodge is, is there to support local masonry, but essentially the Grand Lodge is made up of everyone's local lodge and that without the local lodge there is no grand lodge uh his second point uh which really struck me was that uh a lodge is is like uh the human body and if you are not active if you don't exercise by having activity as a local lodge you're gonna your muscles are going to wither uh and you're going to to be weak and essentially uh eventually dies and the point being that if you're not active at the local level if you're not active in your community if you're not an active lodge you're basically going to wither and die as a lodge uh so i i think greg uh as greg was mentioning you know you need to be active and it's something we were talking about uh needing to do more of uh, here at our local lodge in St. Joseph, Illinois. Yeah, and I think one of the, you know, one of the concerns in the last 18 months, we had a, a really an, an early episode about this, was really well-being or mental health and, and, and those types of issues. And I think the isolationism that so many people have experienced since the beginning of COVID to now has affected them. And so we as humans are wired to be engaging with one another. And so to me, one of the easiest ways to do that is to go support your Blue Lodge or other Masonic bodies and be involved. And I think, you know, and Darren is uh, what the Grand Master said. Well, and it's not only just showing up, but also be involved in the community so that you can be visible to others so that new men will want to join your fraternity. And so it's a great time to, to get reestablished and to get reengaged on that. I think people are looking for stuff to do. Uh, they're looking for community groups or lodges uh, like we are to maybe even host an event. Uh, at our last meeting at St. Joseph Lodge, we decided next winter uh, in February, we're going to have a, a, a local history day. I'm a local history buff. I've got all kinds of you know, pictures and paraphernalia and whatever. So what I'm going to do is put on a talk. And we're going to just invite the general community, and I know we'll get a number of people up there that'll be curious. A lot of them have never seen the lodge, and it's an easy way for us to engage with them, promote the event on social media so we gain some visibility, 
And it's really going to be the first of what we uh, think will be a series of events over the next year for the pure purpose of increasing our visibility, because that's one thing we were struggling with before COVID and COVID just, you know, accelerated it. And that's, we haven't been very visible on the radar. You come to our town and they'll say, uh, you know, we'll tell somebody we're a member of the lodge and they'll say, well, where is it? And I'm like, well, it's right there. You can't see me pointing, but I am. And uh, it's funny how many people go by our building, some of them every day and have never looked up and seen that square compass on the top. So I think the the Grandmaster's message is spot on. You got to be active or you're going to die because once guys get worn out and it's just the same seven or eight, you know, coming and just trading titles and, and chairs every year. Well, you're, you're pretty much done at that point. And so, again, my philosophy on all of Freemasonry is you go to Lodge to be a better person. Education is what makes you that. And then you go out into the community and apply it, and and, uh, and you make the world a better place. So, to me, it's a very simple formula, but you got to be engaged on uh, all parts of it. So, so, get engaged. Get out there. Get active. We need you. There's lots of opportunities uh, for everybody to participate. So, Bill, any comments on that? No, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's so many things that you can do within your community and within your own lodge. That's the thing. It's like so many guys, well, and I've known several lodges that, and they were active in the communities, but they still was hemorrhaging members. But they would, because they would go up there and they would, um, they'd go out, they'd do a, a paper drive or they would, you know, go build a playground for somebody, which is all great. I mean, it, you know, every community needs people in there who's going to help better the community. But they just didn't do anything for each other. They were just kind of like, you know, they could have been like a service club, like the Lions Club or the Elks or, you know, pick another animal. And, you know, they didn't take care of each other. They didn't, they would look at charity, but they didn't look at Masonic Relief. You know, and they would—they didn't talk to each other. You know, they, if the brother quit coming, they didn't question it. You know, he could have been sick, or he could have been—you know—has had problems with his family. Or they never would actually check on him. And you know, I said, like after a little while, these guys would just kind of just kind of go their separate ways because you know some of the charity stuff that they were doing they could have done without the lodge. And so I think it kind of needs to be a bifurcated. Thing you need to do something in your community and within your with each other, and I mean you just need to hold events with the family also. I mean it's just you have you can't you know let one go. I mean just like you know, they, you know like you were saying you know you got to exercise your body, but you also have to take care of the nutrition of the body to make sure it's healthy. So you can't you know let one go without doing the other. It's, there's just so many things that you need to do for each other as well as for the community ensure that you're going to be a success yeah and that's where and and i'm going to have darren you know talk talk some about this but being active being seen uh helps results and and, and darren what's your observations i mean we've talked you and i've seen kind of the ups and downs at st joe of the cycles what's your thoughts so to, to bill's point i absolutely agree and uh part of the conversation uh bill greg and i were having was uh potentially putting on what's called a rusty nail degree having like a breakfast uh one saturday morning and inviting the brethren that haven't been showing up for lodge to you know let them know they're they're still welcome and uh to go over some of the 
things uh, that they may have forgotten. You know, a lot of guys may, as surprising as it may sound, forget uh, the, the passwords and are embarrassed to ask for help or even though you're asking a brother and the brother would supply that to them. Men are very, very silly and stubborn, I'll say. You know, we get stubborn over uh, the silliest things and we don't like to be embarrassed. So I, I know, you know, my fear is that there are members that aren't showing up because they've just forgotten some of these basic things. Uh, and I think their fear of that embarrassment is, is maybe keeping them from lodge. So I absolutely agree. We need to, to you know, make a better effort of reaching out to them. Uh, I think to Greg's point uh, regarding St. Joe, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about why I joined the shrine. So I joined uh, the shrine this past, uh, I guess, this past end of September. Greg and a few other uh, are starting a shrine club here in St. Joe, but also uh, to serve St. Joe, Ogden, Homer, Sydney, particularly those four Masonic lodges. And uh, we're calling it the Salt Fork Shrine Club because the Salt Fork River runs through all four of those communities. I think uh, maybe not Ogden, but Homer, uh, Sydney, and St. Joe for sure. But uh, the point being that I have tried uh, through my various two past attempts as Worship Master St. Joe to... Um, engage uh, the men in the community either directly or indirectly to, to join the, the lodge. My efforts uh, in that area have not been fruitful. So my thought was that in, in joining the shrine, I could help support the effort of not only the, the hospitals and the charities that the shrine uh, supports, which I think is of the utmost importance, but secondly, I see the shrine as a opportunity to show men maybe the lighter side of Freemasonry, uh, but uh, essentially using it as a way to get fresh blood into our local lodges. So I'm proud to be uh, now be a noble of the shrine and happy uh, to help Greg as he launches this effort to Salt Fork Shrine Club. And Greg, maybe you want to speak a little bit more about that. Well, to your point, Darren, it is to have some fun. We're going to use it as a way to support those four blue lodges. I think it's also going to be a way to increase the visibility of the four. You know, Shriners are naturally, uh, you know, active in the parades and and other things like that. I think they've got a a high name ID because of all the hospital charity work and and advertising that's done for them. I've spoken to a few non-Masons about the the club already, and there seems to be some interest. And so I think it's just going to be another tool in our Masonic portfolio, you know, to engage people. And I can see it already that, you know, the club, I don't care about how big it gets. I'm not worried about that. But, you know, if it says small, that's fine. But I see the opportunity for it to partner with the Blue Lodge to be in those parades or to, you know, Maybe the, the shrine, our club is helping support the pancake breakfast or vice versa, whatever it is. It's just a natural thing. And I think especially in the small, you know, 
rural towns that we uh, are going to focus on, people will come to identify it very quickly and understand what it is. And I think it's just yet another way for us to market who we are and what we do. And they probably won't know that you need to join the Blue Lodge to be a a Shriner, but I think that's where the opportunity to also say, hey, the Blue Lodge is the basics. It's where we're, you know, helping men improve. And that's just part of the journey uh, of being a Freemason. Bill, you, I know we're active in the Shrine in Indiana. What's What was your experiences as a Shriner? It's hard to say because I, while I was a Shriner. I, in fact, I hadn't even began, hadn't even thought about becoming a Shriner. Well, I was going to be all Blue Lodge all the time. That was pretty much my score. And then one night I was, our lodge, after we closed, we'd go to the local Shrine and have dinner and drinks and just, BS for the evening till about two, three in the morning. And one of the guys um, said to me one night in front of everybody else, he says, when are you going to join the shrine? I said, man, he says, are you kidding? I said, I just, you guys just taught me into joining New York, right? I just joined the Scottish Rite for you guys. I said, I don't have any time or money left to join the shrine. And he says, well, it doesn't take much to be a shriner. I said, well, I, said, I don't have that kind of money right now. He says, so it's the money. I said, well, yeah. For the most part. So, and a little while later, I went to the bathroom, and I came back, and laying on my, my plate was a shrine petition. And I laughed. I said, guys, I told you, I can't do it right now. I said, now look, while you were gone, we went ahead and put the money together. We got your initiation fee, and your first year is already set up. We put it through the floating dates door. We don't have a key to it, so it's already done. So, you're stuck. Just go ahead and fill this out. We're going to shove it through. So, you're you're done. You're going to be a shriner. And I thought, well, okay, why not? What's one more? So I, I filled out the petition, and then they were going to have initiation here like a couple months later. And so I drove home that night from Erie, oh, excuse me, from Buffalo, New York, all night to get to that, taking them that morning. And I went, I became a Shriner, and I'm like, first thing they did is, congratulations, and I will have a beer. <laughs> and they threw a beer in my hand. I'm like, what in the world did I just get into? <laughs> but it's like most of the things that my talents got me to was behind the scenes stuff. I was their webmaster. I was their TV, or excuse me, I was their, on public relations. I also did, I did a webman, and I was also a magazine editor. So it's so like most of the stuff that I did for them, besides like taking photographs at local parades and stuff, was behind the scenes. That actually was fine with me. And I was tickled to be a Shriner. I mean, I didn't really think of it one way or the other, but one day, I was sitting at my desk, and an email came through on my Shriner email address. And this woman sent an email. She says, you Shriners say you take care of kids. And she says, my grandson, he's he's got badly burned over the last weekend. And I forget what percentage of the body he's up. He's only seven, eight years old. He was underneath a rollaway bed with his, with his little brother, and he got a hold of a lighter. And he started flicking this lighter, and it caught the mattress of this rollaway bed on fire and as it caught all this the mattress fell down on him and it uh you know it rained it basically stuck to his skin and it just it really it fused to his skin and he got really badly burned and so in this family they lived in a little rented trailer they didn't have two nickels rubbed together and the, the I, I contacted the lady and i said well absolutely we'll take care because and she said that the local burden unit they demanded money up front that these people didn't have and somehow they went through the family and they got get this kid treated. And the whole time that she, they're working on the seven year old, the nurses were scolding him, telling him what a bad boy he was, messing with them lighters. 
He could have killed his brother, could have made the family homeless. And this poor kid was, you know, devastated. I mean, he really knew that he'd done bad. He's suffering because of it. And she says, do you guys take care of these kids? I'm sorry. Every time I think of this, it's, um, it's been 15 years later, but I still tear up. I said, absolutely. So I called the potentate. And he said, yeah. He says, I, just, I, just, I was just at that hospital. And they made me pay them. He says, absolutely. So we, I gave him the number. And they sent it up. Well, then the father contacted me a few days later. And he says, well, we have to go to Cincinnati, which is like a four-hour drive. He says, I don't think my van would make it. Besides that, it's summer. And we don't have air conditioning. I just don't know if we could do this. I said, so, sir, I says, we'll drive you there. I said, we have vans that go there several times a week. We will take you there. You'll meet and make your appointment. We'll even feed you. Don't worry about it. You're covered. And so, well, I think it was a few months later, we had a party at our shrine on Horse Brown. You know, just, we had parties all the time. But this one, they allowed, you know, they brought the kids in who'd been to the hospital. And the potentate, Brought the little boy over to me. Says, "Bill says this boy here is the one that you helped." He took my hand. And he looked up. He said, "Thank you so much." And despite all the red tape the shrine has, and sometimes the backbiting and the politics, is that little boy and the look on his face is why I continue to be a shriner to this day. But you know, everyone. I think everyone has. A, you know, there's so many of these young guys, and I and I understand it. They don't like the shrine. I totally understand why. I mean, you know, they're here for you know character building. They're here to learn. And and I totally get that. But, you know, sometimes you can learn through social events. And I definitely learned the lesson about Freemason through that instance and that little boy. And I think if more brethren actually did that and went through and helped with the hospital, they might be opening up something in themselves that they won't find in a book or in a chamber of reflection. They're going to find something deep within themselves. If you ever visit a shrine hospital, you'll see children. Picture a five-year-old children or smaller. Some of them one or two years old. They're just barely able to walk. And they have prosthetic legs. Or they have a, 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 a prosthetic arm. Or they have a cleft palate that they're having worked on. Or they're in a wheelchair. Children who should be on a playground enjoyed their life, but they're stuck in the top. And to know that their family doesn't have to worry about anything, even if they can't pay for the service that they're getting, they're covered. And I don't know how much more you can learn about Freemasonry and by helping those children. Yeah, what a what, great, great story, Bill. And, and we appreciate you sharing it. And, and frankly, the, <laughs> the, the, the fact that 15 years later it touches your heart, I think, illustrates the, the power of, 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 what the shrine can do for young people. And I, I think your point's well taken too. It's that act of charity, not of giving uh, somebody, you know, not just the donations, but the act of facilitating a, a young person getting that help. That's just an amazing experience. And that's one of the things I want to build on in, in with this new club and, and give others that same uh, experience that uh, you've had. So, Bill, thanks for telling that story. I I can't. I don't think we couldn't have scripted anything any more heartfelt than than hearing you tell that. So I'm I am glad you glad you did. And you know, not only the shrine, but there are several. Um, Freemasonry has many other charities that we actually run. I mean, you know, Royal Arch has um, disease things they're working on. Tall Cities of Lebanon work with muscular dystrophy. You know, I mean, we can we can go out and make a difference in our community, which is a great thing. But we can also make a great deal of good for all mankind throughout the world just by helping Freemasonry every day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's again, it's all part of that total package. To me, it's the Blue Lodge is the foundation 
and you come there to learn those things, but the, the shrine and some of those others are where you can go out and put it into action. And so to me, they, they complement one another and they go, uh, hand in hand. So really, uh, I'm looking forward to get more involved with the, the hospitals and, and seeing what we can do, uh, for the kids. So, well, we're getting late into our show. I'm going to see if uh, Darren has any uh, final comments. No, I just want to uh, thank Bill for telling that story. I'll just I'll just say one of my favorite television shows is a show called Psych. It was on USA Network for a long time, and it uh, it's basically a show about friendship. There's a character, uh, Sean Spencer, and then his best friend is. Guster Burton. There's always uh, a line about the Gus says about being a sympathetic crier. So, uh, Bill, you made me tear up there with your beautiful story. And thank you again for uh, telling it. And there's no shame in showing your emotions. I think uh, men should be able to, to do that and not feel shame. Uh, so, thank you, buddy, for uh, having the trust in us to be able to to share that with us. Uh, I appreciate that. And luckily there's nobody, it's just us three that's talking and nobody else will ever hear this. Well, that, that may or may not be the case. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. That's the thing. We're never sure. Sometimes we're just talking to ourselves. Hopefully we, we assume you're listening if you're not one of us. So thank you for that. Even if you're the only listener, we appreciate that. But, uh, Bill, any other final comments as we close out episode 40? Well, I, I just want to thank everybody for listening. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about Greg and Darren, but I don't know. that I never really thought that we'd even make it to 40. I mean, we're going to up here with verified air with RJ pretty soon if we keep this up. But I just want to thank you guys and thank everybody for listening. And, you know, if you ever are on the, if you ever are on the bubble about wanting to become a Shriner and you're near one, and go visit a Shriner's Hospital. If that doesn't make you want to sign that petition, then you have a heart of stone. And just keep working on that Ashley of yours. Hopefully, you know, you're going to find everything that you're searching. Thank you for listening. And again, we do appreciate everyone. Uh, we're going to have some good guests lined up in the weeks ahead. And uh, we're getting close to that holiday season, starting with uh, Halloween. It's only a couple weeks away as we record this. So believe it or not, we've almost made it through 2021. So, again, tend your Blue Lodge, tend your appendant bodies, support uh, Freemasonry, get active in your community, and make a difference in the world. So, until next time, we appreciate uh, all of you, and thank you for listening to Meet, Act, and Part. Thank you for listening to Meet, Act, and Part. For more information about our show, visit our website at www.meetactandpark.com While there, please consider supporting the show by sponsoring us on Patreon. Until we meet again, may we meet Act and Park.